Welcome to All the Social Ladies, a podcast bringing you candid conversations with the boldest women in digital marketing. I'm Carrie Kirpin, CEO of Likeable Media, and let's get into the show. You guys, I'm really excited to introduce you to my next guest. I've been following her career for a long time. I first became acquainted with her when she was the Global Chief Marketing Officer of Global Brand Development at PepsiCo, where she did play an integral role in delivering the company's long-term global growth strategies. And she launched a new lifestyle mindset through product categories, touch points, and experiences for PepsiCo's global brands. I became obsessed with what she was doing there as a change maker, and I really wanted to get her on the show so she could talk to you about how to be a change maker. Because it's not so easy when you're a woman coming into an industry, how you come in and make change. A lot of it is not just about knowing what to do next, it's about knowing how to communicate it. I love how Kristen tells us about that here. Take a listen. Welcome, Kristen, to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So I am a big fan of yours for a long time now from your Pepsi days. And I would love for you to share with our audience just the story of how you got to where you are today. Give me the story of your career. Well, I started my career with an awesome education from Emerson College. And I know that you're an alum as well there. So I have to tell you that I'm so happy to, to you know, connect with you. And yes. Common with you. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, it's, it's, to me, it was the best choice I could have made. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm 100% with you. I feel like it set the standard for me in terms of everything that I've done and decided. So I'm a 20 year marketing veteran and I, you know, have spent my time toggling between industries that I have absolutely loved. I call them lifestyle industries, but I've toggled between the entertainment, beauty, fashion, and consumer packaged goods world over the tenure of my career. And I think what's really defined me is that I am exactly who I am. And I lean into my my strengths in a way I think that makes me really different and, you know, sought after. There are marketing people who, you know, excel at super deep analytics. And what I am known as, as somebody who is a cultural marketer and somebody who really, you know, will come into a company, understand the zeitgeist, understand how to create, you know, a buzzy brand that consumers love and, you know, obviously use um, very deep consumer insights and research and a level of analytics to develop a strategy and a program. But I think what makes me a little bit different is the ability to like really understand and smell in the data when there is a a change or a shift or a recurrence or something happening with consumers. And I definitely attribute that to, you know, my, my education and how I was educated. As you know, Emerson is a liberal arts school and I emphasize the liberal and creative part of it. And I think that that's kind of what, what's made me who I am. Kristen. So it sounds like you really 
leaned into the strength of the art side of marketing and using the science and the data to really build the story that helps you justify what you already know is happening in the world. I think that's an important piece of the puzzle that we don't always tap into. Like the data, you can drown in data. You can you can get so much data in today's world that you're just totally overwhelmed with it. But it's how to make sense of it and how to tap into what's actually happening in the world today that makes a great marketer. Yeah, I think so. And it's the combination of both of them, I think, right? So I think one of the beautiful things that digital and big data have given us is this plethora of information and understanding consumer habits, um, trends, having all of that at your fingertips. And, you know, I've worked with companies who won't make a move until all of that work is done. Yes. But for me, there's a balance between uh, that level of analytics, understanding the customer and, you know, good old gut instinct. Yes. And not every marketing person has that. Not every marketing person has the ability to combine, you know, design language with art and creative and cultural platforms and, you know, mesh that all into one. And and that's kind of what I, what I've done. Now I will tell you, Carrie, that some of the companies that I have been at, I was the oddball, right? So most of the marketers are, you know, pedigree packaged goods marketers who really understand how to move stock keeping units off the shelf. I didn't grow up in that background or environment, you know, starting with my education. And then, you know, my first job was really at the Walt Disney Company, where, you know, it is all about content and taking entertainment properties and building them into these consumer packaged goods mega brands. So I really had a very non-traditional upbringing in marketing. So Kristen, I have to tell you the world's weirdest thing, which is that we both went to Emerson and we both started our careers at the Walt Disney Company. Is that the weirdest thing? I was at Radio Disney. But yeah, I mean, I think it's it's that it's bringing that creative space and that creative industry into the kind of data pedigree of what you see in the science of marketing that can come in and make a difference. And I know in your own career, you've been brought into companies as a change agent. And one of the things that really strikes me about you is the confidence that you carry being a non-traditional kind of out-of-the-box career story. When you're brought in as a change agent, talk to me about that experience as a whole. You come in and you know that you're going to have to shake something up. You know, it's so funny because I can't be any other way. Like, it's just inherently who I am, right? I see the world. I see brands. I, like, am so deeply empathetic with consumers and like what they're thinking and feeling. And I bring like that human aspect to my thinking. And I, in some ways, I don't know how to be any other way, but to bring up opportunities. Right. So I I don't necessarily like classify myself as a, a change agent, but it just, it happens naturally in some respects. Being that person in an organization is both very tough and wonderful all at the same time, right? Because you definitely see the world a little bit differently than I think an organization marching down a path will see things. And sometimes, you know, you feel like the odd man out sitting by yourself. 
you know, I brought opportunities to organizations that just weren't ready to hear them sometimes. You know, my thinking is always like a couple years out. And so it can be really tough because in some ways you're bringing up ideas and opportunities and the organization is either ready for it or not. Over the years, what I've been able to do is hone my communication style and to really develop the concept and the idea in a way where it's understandable and saleable and easily democratized within an organization. And in the beginning of my career, I don't think that I was super great at that. I would have like a big idea, you know, try to execute it and build it and create it myself from the top down. And those are the times when I have failed miserably. When I have an idea and I build it organically within the organization, like a good concept takes hold like wildfire. And the more people that get on board, understand it, embrace it as their own idea, that's when, you know, things really start to get rolling. It's funny because I remember at Pepsi, Indra used to always say, first an organization conceptualizes things in their head, right? Right. They feel it in their hearts and then their hands start moving. And that's kind of, you know, how I see evoking change, get people to understand it, intellectualize it, find those people who are willing to jump on board because not everybody is going to in an organization, right? You always have the naysayers, the people who are like sitting in the middle waiting to see if you're going to succeed or fail. And then there's just the people who you're never going to move. Once they take it into their hearts and make it their own, then they start to move and execute. And like I say, that's a skill that I've kind of honed over the years. I think that's very interesting because I know, I know from talking now to hundreds of women, especially young women, there are women who desperately want to create change and impact organizations at a bigger level, and yet they feel stuck because of communication style and a way that they have to learn to play within the organization to do that. And I think the concept of kind of finding those champions who will really believe this in their hearts and be ready to go and move, because you will always have naysayers, is important. You can't do it alone. And I think that that's such a good takeaway from that part of your story. Yeah. And, you know, I, I share that because I've done it both ways and it, it, it just makes everything so much easier when you indoctrinate people into the idea. You know, they'll have their own additions to the concept and they'll, they'll end up making it so much better. But, you know, change management in an organization is really difficult. And I, you know, have been at organizations who do it really well and it's inherent in who they are. And there are some organizations that, you know, they're just not ready for, you know, big ideas, big thinking. They, they like status quo and, you know, that's good too. You just need to know how to maneuver in each situation. It's funny, you know, as you're going through this, I want to know from you, because I often have been in this position too. And since clearly we are like the same, since we've had all of these similar experiences, (laughs) have you ever been in a position where you've initiated change and you've started, you've come in, you've gotten where you want to go, you're you're on the path, and then you're doubting yourself? Do you ever doubt yourself mid-change? And if so, how do you overcome that and push through? I, it's interesting because I, understand 
opportunities, believe in them 100%, kind of know where we need to go. But that's, you know, that's based on experience, really understanding the brand, the business, the financials. And once I'm heading down a path, it's not that it's not that there's doubt. I think that there's questions that come up that yes. help you refine your strategy and position on things, right? So my best partners and bosses throughout my career are people who I have been able to say, this is what I think. Here's, you know, here's the financials, here's how I see the opportunity. And they question, they add, they build they take their skill set and you know help me become better and so it's not a level of insecurity it's more a level i think of refinement and i think any executive who's worth their merit is able to listen to other people's points of views and perspectives and either take that information and data and use it to make and refine and and take their strategy and just make it that much better or there's those who are just you know so bullheaded they they won't take information into account so i get in situations where you know i'll come into an organization i'll see an opportunity i'll talk to others about it to democratize it you know pick up additional pieces of information and the members of the organization who have history and use it to build upon an idea are you know i think critical and essential players in making the program bigger and better so it's understanding that when you first you know come to your conclusion okay here's what we need to do to impact change that things will need to be refined along the way and that using the learnings that you have as opportunities to refine versus spending time wallowing in like, oh, crap, maybe this was the wrong strategy. It's just refining it as you go along. Yeah, I think that's right. And I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. I remember really early on in my career, I was at a beauty company and the beauty company had had become known for their color stories, right? So color stories were like bursts of activity throughout the year where, you know, brown might be a color for the fall. And over time, I remember at that at that point in the the company's life cycle, the color stories were lagging in sales. And so one of the things that I recommended was that we take one of our supermodels who happened to be the James Bond girl that year okay, and do a color story inspired by the James Bond platform. And like that was unheard of at the time because we didn't do partnerships. You know, it was all the beauty company saying, you know, this is the color for the fall. And it wasn't really linking to anything happening from a cultural perspective. So when I, I remember when I first brought the opportunity to, you know, the leadership, everybody was like, what is this? And how does, how is it going to sit in a CVS or, you know, a Walmart? Right. I remember hand drawing the point of sale to show them what it would look like and how it would all play out in store. And, you know, I was either going to get fired or it was going to be amazing. <laughs> um, and thank God. You know, Two interesting up, options. It could be, it's, there's no middle ground. And ended up being really cool. Yeah. But there are moments like that that come up. And, you know, I think if you're in the right organization and you have leaders who are willing to listen and, you know, they're open to suggestions and ideas, then you know, I, I do really well in situations like that. And I've been so lucky in my career, Carrie, to have just like 
awesome mentors around me and people who I think saw the white space and I'm full of gratitude for that. And those people who, who, you know, been, been open to ideas. Amazing. You know, one of the things that I, I loved about your story and that we talked about was the idea of finding the people within the organization who can really champion and support these ideas. And I'm thinking about that also as a theme in your career, because I know that you've talked a lot about the importance of creating connection, not just within an organization, but actually with your consumers. So what advice would you give to somebody who works at a brand who's looking to better understand their audience and truly connect with them? I always put myself in a situation where I try to understand the humanity behind everything. Right. And I know that sounds, you know, a little bit highfalutin, but truly it's not just this like group of nameless, faceless consumers. They are people who have lives and businesses and feelings and, you know, they're balancing life and kids and, and all of that. And even if it's, you know, a packaged goods, company, there is, there is a human behind the purchase. Yes. And so I don't know, like humanity and it is kind of a core theme for me. And I mean that in everything that I do. Right. So when people have been asked to describe, you know, my leadership style, they, they always say that I'm a very human leader and maybe it means that I come to work with all of my foibles, including my strengths, my weaknesses, you know, the fact that I'm balancing my daughter's life with my career and, and all of that. And I'm, I'm really open and honest about that. So, so like in leadership, I'm superhuman. When I think about the consumer, I really try to get underneath like what's driving the action or the emotion. And I think that that really helps you to, you know, to connect in, in a really meaningful and profound way. Mm. Very interesting. And you also, you know, I know that at Pepsi and a lot of places, you've really been focused on creating great content. So I'm interested, you as this change maker come in, you seem to inherently know what to do. We are at the most crowded time in history for content. There is so much content out there. What sort of trends in digital strategy or content development are you watching What do you think is going to cut through the clutter in this time where we're more distracted than ever and there's more content than ever? Yeah, I, this is the one like area I think for brands in terms of growth and opportunity. So I only think about marketing across content, product, and experiences. Like that has been my mantra. How do you take a concept and, you know, tell the story through amazing content How do you tell the story through the product? And then what are the experiential things that you are putting out into the world, whether it's partnerships or pop-ups or, I don't know, an actual loyalty program or, or whatever it is. But, but that's really how I think about it. I think right now brands and companies are struggling to figure out how to actually create interesting content and how to balance that with 30 second television spots and how to do it cost effectively. You know, back in the day, companies like Pepsi would make, you know, three to four television spots a year. And now they have to create and produce like 3000 pieces of content a day. What does that look like? 
I think brands are struggling with, you know, what kind of marketing executives and leadership teams do we need in organizations? Is it, you know, somebody who leans into general management? Is it somebody who is, you know, more on the creative side? Do you need deeper data analytics? And, you know, to me, it's all of it. There's just such a, you know, a massive evolution going on right now in terms of how companies are dealing with all of this. I would say that, you know, the best content pieces that I've seen of late really lean into the storytelling ethos of the brand. I think that there are times and places for functional messaging. I think, you know, 30 second television spots and short snippets of content are good exercises for that. But I don't know. I think that the whole thing is is still evolving. And and as marketers, you have to try different things. Some things you'll fail at and some things are going to, you know, sing and and, and kind of pay the bills. But I, I don't think that there's any one perfect thing that I've encountered just yet. Uh, certainly, if there was one perfect thing, we'd all run towards it anyway and ruin it. I think that's basically how it works. Yeah, I feel like we're definitely in the middle of a massive evolution. Oh, and, you know, any any CMO worth their, I don't know, worth their strength is is going to to say we don't have all the answers, but like, here's the best plan from what from what we can see. Yeah, and some of it. The, the customer and all of that. There's never a better time to kind of just take a chance too, because of all of these things, I always try and tell the brands that I work with, like you have to save a certain amount for experimentation because you really don't know fully. You can have theories about what what's the next thing that will really cut through, but you have to try a lot of things to see. I think to me, that's key. Yeah. Okay. Kristen, are you ready for my lightning round? Yes. All right. Here we go. I'm going to ask you some questions and you're going to tell me the first things that pop into your head. Doesn't matter what they are. There's no wrong answer. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Number one, if someone only knew you from social media, what three words would they use to describe you? I would say um, I, it comes across that I am devoted to, you know, family Yep. and my friends and my dog who I love. Aww. I would say they they would get that I'm genuine. And I think from my, from my communication, I'm, I'm really true to myself. Like I'm not out there using social media as a platform to promote or endorse. Like I am, I am kind of who I am on it. And I think you get that immediately. Yeah. I would, I would say from what I know of you, it's just, it's very refreshing. Like you, you have like a no bull kind of just, you are who you are, you own who you are, that whole thing. And that authenticity, that's really very powerful in social media and beyond. Just, just to add in a word for your lightning round. Yes, for sure. Okay. What woman do you admire most on social media? You know, I really love what Katie Couric has been doing with her career. Me too. I think that she could have gotten really stuck as a, you know, a news anchor and a figurehead that, you know, was just kind of on the television. And she has evolved into, I just think this amazing woman who has, you know, this multifaceted life. And I think that she is appealing. She's opened her 
opportunity and ability to communicate with much younger people who probably would never know who she was. And I just think she's doing such cool things. Absolutely. Definitely tapping into an entirely new audience. I just saw a post today from her about Gloria Steinem because it's her birthday today as this is recording. So uh, yeah, and she really tackled that in a great way. Okay. Last question for you. What is one piece of advice you would tell your younger self? Lean into your strengths, even if they are weird or different. Yep. Did you avoid your weaknesses? Did you just say, screw it, I'm only going to focus on the strengths? Versus like making this big, huge effort to try and change who you are and your weaknesses? Look, I think early on in my career, Carrie, I really didn't want to be seen as like the the freaky, different thinker in the yep. room. Yep. I wanted to fit in. I wanted to be seen as this like super numerate, highly, I don't know, you know, just I I really wanted to fit into the box that I think the corporate world praises in some respects. And so I think I fought that for a long time. And now, like, I really understand, like, my strengths, what I'm good at. And I wish that I had let that flourish a little bit more earlier on in my career. It's a great, great piece of advice. Kristen, thank you so much for being on the show. You are one fabulous social lady. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. That was all the social ladies. Don't miss new episodes every week. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And if you like what you heard, please rate and review the show. I'm Carrie Kirpin, CEO of Likeable Media and author of Work It, Secrets for Success from the Boldest Women in Business. Follow me, at Carrie Kirpin, everywhere. And for more social smarts, be sure to follow Likeable, at Likeable Media. Thanks for listening. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh-huh.